0: Hello everyone, welcome to yet another episode of the Charity Charge Show. I am honored to have with us Rebecca Powers, who is from Austin, Texas, or lives in Austin, Texas, the founder of Impact Austin. And she has just become an awesome, awesome person and supporter of our work at Charity Charge. So I am just delighted to be able to interview you, Rebecca. Thank you.
1: Hey, thank you for having a conversation.
0: Absolutely. And that's also, I just want to acknowledge for all the people that are listening, I've just been getting some really great feedback from, from listeners of this podcast. I thank you so much to everyone who's been a, a champion and a cheerleader and a supporter of what we do. And we, you know, we were put in touch by an individual that is absolutely a huge cheerleader of our work, Brian Levinson. So a big shout out to him. He put us in touch. Um, I got a text message from him about, Gosh, maybe that was two, two and a half months ago. And he said, do you know who Rebecca Powers is? And have you heard of Impact Austin? I hadn't. I'd heard of the organization, but I didn't know about you. And he put us in touch, which is just such a cool way to, to meet people, you know, just through other like-minded, awesome people. So and here we are now.
1: Absolutely. And I think when you do the right things, the right things happen. And our paths were supposed to cross. So we'll see where it takes us.
0: Well, and today what we're gonna talk about is your new book, Trust Your Cape, Mm -hmm. that you put out there. Um, I will just give a quick background and it's summarized so well here, but I'll read just about Rebecca's background. Rebecca Powers is well-known in Austin, Texas for her philanthropic passion and empowering women to help others. Rebecca graduated from the University of Richmond with a BS in business administration in 1976 and worked as a sales rep for IBM for 14 years before retiring to raise her children. She and her husband lived in Austin, Texas, I've been there in person on site to deliver a t-shirt. That's where I got this book. Also, um, they have two grown children, a wonderful son-in-law and one perfect grandson, who I've also had the pleasure of meeting as well. So I feel like, you know, we, you are part of part of my family and hopefully I'm part of yours, Rebecca, but, um, so really amazing. Um, the organization that you started back in 2003 impact Austin. Um, one of the things where I wanted to start this interview, um, is, you know, in, in, in large part, we have a lot in common because a motivating factor and sort of driving force for me to start charity charge was the passing, uh, unfortunately of my father, um, who passed away at age 53 from cancer. And I know that a big motivation for you in doing this was, um, the loss of your brother. So curious if you could just, you know, take us back to, um, some of the the, the, the inspiration to, to Found Impact Austin and then we'll get into some more things.
1: Sure, um, and, and thank you for, um, for acknowledging that. Um, I, I will say that um, regarding Trust Your Cape, the book, um, it was never my intention. I did not um, ever aspire to be an author. This all kind of happened um, organically. And uh, it really chronicles my journey of starting, building, leading, and then letting go of Impact Austin. And the impetus for Impact Austin was the uh, death of my brother at 49 from colon cancer—a life uh, shortened, you know, way too soon. And it, the the part that I giggle about, I think, is um, I had boarded an airplane in sacramento california where he lived knowing i had seen him for the last time and um i had brought with me uh people magazine uh red book ladies home journal three magazines that were fluffy in my opinion where i could just escape for the um red eye back to austin but what happened instead was when i opened up people magazine There was a two page article, uh, more words or more pictures than words in it about a woman in Cincinnati, Ohio, who had gathered a hundred plus women to each contribute a thousand dollars, put it all together. And they gave a $122,000 grant to a dental clinic for the homeless in over the Rhine, Cincinnati for any who might be familiar with that. And when I read that article, my life changed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have $1,000. I've never given a penny to my community, but I'll bet there are 99 other women in Austin, Texas who have 1000 And with my old IBM sales background, I'm not afraid to go out and find customers, if you will. So I decided that if I focused on doing something positive like that, it would be SAV for the hole in my heart that I knew would never go away, but I could at least make it manageable. And I could, you know, channel my anger for losing my brother in a positive way. So that, that was the impetus, which then, um, you know, happily enough has um, evolved into an 18 year old organization and seven and a half million dollars at work in our community from thousands of
0: women. And tell us, define or just talk to us a little bit about the mission or the day to day of Impact Austin for someone that's hearing about it for the first time.
1: Yes. um, Impact Austin is a giving circle. Um, People seem to be familiar with that term. Uh, We are all women, we all give the same amount of money every year, we pool that money. And then we ask the nonprofits in town to apply for our money in the form of grants. Tell us the programs you're doing and what you need money for. And then we review the applications, come up with finalists, and each woman gets one vote to decide where our money goes every year. We have a different amount every year because it depends on the number of members we have uh, multiplied by a thousand. And um, over the, I think we've given 90 some grants by now in in our 18 years and in the areas of health and education, uh, family issues, the environment, culture, and the arts. Now we're very focused on equity um, across all landscapes. And while giving grants to nonprofits in our community, and they are very large grants, so they can be transformational and that's important. But our main customer is our members, women who are learning more about the community, who are uh, becoming philanthropists for the first time, finding out they do have more capacity than they ever knew they did, getting more involved in the community, starting to sit on boards, and even giving uh, more money outside of what they give to Impact Austin. So uh, we we really see ourselves as uh, focusing, um, the grants are the vehicle for us to educate women to be better members of the community.
0: That's great. And I think even more so just with the rise of Austin, the growth in the population, people moving here that want to get involved, you provide such a great landing pad for, for that. Um, what you're smiling, so what, what's on your mind? It's
1: it's just kind of cute. We have, not surprisingly, we have you know women from all professions and stay-at-home moms, retired women, grandmothers, but we do have some realtors. And one of the things that they tell um, women who are moving to town is that Impact Austin is a great place to um, get connected to the community. And so we, we consider ourselves the philanthropic welcome wagon of the um, Travis County. And, and we just laugh sometimes when we ask women, oh, how did you find us? Well, my realtor told me that I needed to, to get involved. So um, we kind of get, you know, a, a double. Um, it's just great because they bring us more women.
0: No, absolutely. And, you know, obviously it's all in the spirit of giving back and yeah. doing well. And I love for that point your terminology of referring to them as the customer, but what a great way to figure out the conduit to accessing or getting awareness of those customers and naturally it would make sense, you know, through realtors. So for, for, yes. for living here and just bought their first home or whatnot.
1: And I do think um, the term when you brought up customer, I know I said that it's really important for us. If we're going to continue to, um, you know, implement our mission, we need members. And if we, we need to make sure that our members have a really good experience so that they return. And so that consistent, um, you know, investment every year, uh, we, we definitely have women who come through Impact Austin. Um, they don't always stay, but, Knowing that what's most important is that they get to grow in their philanthropy and feel like it's a meaningful experience, so um, we definitely have to pay attention to that.
0: And that—that's where I want to go a little bit with this. What surprised me in reading through your book was how little it—it, it, from what I read—that you had given to, to organizations prior to starting Impact Austin, and. I've got to tell you that um, there are boy. When I was in the early days of Charity Charge, in sort of the R and D side, I was would was reading research study after research study. So I'm going to muffle the numbers here, but there was some interesting study that I came across that talked about, you know, if said person does not give any amount. I mean, it was really like whatever amount it was, if they had not given that amount by age 35 to charities, like any money, whether it was $50 or whatever, that they were like 99% likely to then never give. So a lot of, you know, programs also that have been instituted on um, sort of the grassroots level by organizations have been trying to figure out how to engage Young people, uh, whether they're you know in their teens or you know early young professionals, to just give whatever amount they can because that creates this whole conduit of people being familiar with giving back, and even if it's just initially ten dollars, twenty dollars, fifty dollars, that you know obviously can grow. So one of the things that I think is super powerful about your um, experience and in creating and scaling Impact Austin is that you've inspired all of these people to give that would have normally never given. And I can only imagine beyond the thousand dollars that it takes to be a part of Impact Austin, what they've then gone on to do. So, but just curious, like to take us back, right? Because I think part of this, this journey too, I'm sort of making this long winded and we'll break these questions up. Um, one of the big things that touched me too about, in, reading through the book and you highlighted it there, I might butcher this, but there were four distinct segments. You talked about um, uh, like having the idea, starting it, scaling it, and then leaving it. Um, This is just such a cool model because for me, I'm so removed. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to think back to what it was like before I started and I was like, as scared as could be, and all of that. So, I was reading through your book, Abby Cannon. Like, this is, I'm separating the ego because I think it's awesome. But I was reading through this and I was going, Well, big deal. Yeah. You just, you reach out. Okay. You saw, read an article. You reach out to someone. Okay. You talk to them. All right. They told you this. All right. You get the next person. Cool. You do that. You do, you know, all of that. But when I went and started Charity Charge, it was so scary, even just taking that first step in so many ways. So, I think this is a really powerful book for candidly anyone, obviously that's interested in a social venture or starting a nonprofit, but I think getting any sort of um, motivation to start whatever business or new idea they're doing. So I'll break all that down. I know I went on my rant there. Um, let's come back. Well, actually, let me just give you the floor. You respond to anything I just said. What's, what's, it sounds like there might be something. So,
1: on So well, just um, so many things, but, One of the things that you mentioned about um, not having been philanthropic until Mm -hmm. I was 48 and that, you know, the inclination to then all of a sudden start being philanthropic is is not the norm. But the distinction I make about that is I never knew I could have a voice for $1,000 in my community. I never knew that that pooled with other $1,000 contributions would give me an opportunity to influence an outcome of an issue area, Mm -hmm. um, teach women what the needs are, meet some incredibly uh, dedicated people who are in the trenches. We call them the hands and feet of the money that we put out in the community. And that, first of all, I don't I don't hang out with people that can give $100,000, $10,000, you know, just reach in their pocket and and write a check. So I know a lot of women who are in my shoes. So the population of women to go ask was huge. And I knew um, that this idea was very, is very attractive and um, brings a lot of benefits. So I wasn't worried about finding the women. Because that's what I know how to do. What I didn't know was how to start a nonprofit, getting our 501c3 designation, building a board of directors, and who are the people you need to have on that. But I knew the idea was so good that I was willing to learn as I grew, as Impact Austin grew. And I equate that to what you're doing. You didn't have all the answers when you started Charity Charge, but you knew the idea was great. And you have to use all the resources and, and people who are experts in different areas to help you make really good decisions. And that's what I learned to do was find people in the community and find a, a good great um, a great initial board of directors. And that uh, powered us in the early years we did say and so we were not known in the community. And the good news about that is that in Austin, Texas, there are so many entrepreneurs. I'm speaking to one right now. Um, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have a last name that everybody knows. You don't have to have been um, a pillar of the community. You're allowed to try and fail without shame in Austin. And that was on our side. People were cheering for us, um, even though they didn't know who we were. And we did what we said we were going to do. We surprised a lot of people. Um, And we we decided that we had to put three good years together. Our first three years had to be, we had to knock it out of the park from the standpoint of funding well, doing what we said we were going to do, and that we would earn respect. And I think now, after 18 years, there's a lot of respect for what we do in the community,
0: which is kind of fun. For sure. Well, one of the things that I mean that you had talked about there of just what you did, and even here, like I was, you know, when I was going through your book, it's page ninety six, about almost the halfway point or so. You know, if you you put in here if you never ask, you'll never know, and you talk about um, your interactions with um, I- Evan yeah. Salwin. Yeah, yeah. And that to me, obviously, and in the beginning of the book, you talk about. Uh, meeting with Barry Silverberg and, and you know, others and, and reaching out to, um, was it Wendy from People or? Uh,
1: oh, yes. Wendy it? Steele, who was, yeah, the founder yeah. of the, the organization. I Cincinnati. think
0: you, you did two things. And then so I think part of this interview too is about like, part of this part we we'll just talk about is how to get started. There's two key things that you did and they are a- identical to the process that I went through. What you did is you saw another model that was working, that it had traction and success. And so it became obvious to you that this could happen in Austin, right? So you um do you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, I know you mentioned in the beginning of when we first hit record, but you know, what was running through your minds when you when you read that people, and then you want to talk, and then the second piece, I'll give you the four, but the second piece is you just started reaching out to people. And that that was, I mean, I had seen other models in the affinity credit card space. I thought there's gotta be a way to do this with a little bit of a twist. And then what I just started doing is, I mean, one of the first things I did, I went to Visa's website and they had on there, a list of um, credit card consultants in the US that you know, are hired by the big brands like a Southwest Airlines or a Costco or whatever, whenever they need to negotiate or deal with their credit card, they hire these credit card consultants. And I just started going through that list and I called the first eight, 17, and they all hung up on me. And then the 18th person actually fielded my calls and he went on to, um, get a big position at MasterCard and that helped us with our relationship there. But it was all about, um, just being willing to reach out to people. So anyway, let me give you the floor back about what you're there.
1: And, you know, I, um. So I surprised myself. The reason I knew, one of the things I I have said often is um, starting Impact Austin was not uh, in my life plan, but it is definitely my calling. I was supposed to do this. And the fact that I picked up the phone and called People Magazine to find the woman in that article I just knew that I'd never do that. That's, that was uncharacteristic of me, but doing that also told me I, I needed to keep pursuing this because I could, I could see the possibilities. And um, interestingly enough, Wendy um, Wendy created that model after talking to a woman in Seattle mm. who is really the grandmother of this collective giving model. So I went to the grandmother, if you will, in Seattle, the Washington Women's Foundation, and asked that founder to be my mentor and said, hey, as we grow, you are 10 years ahead of us. You know what's coming down the pike as far as challenges, opportunities, and what happens when we grow. And so um, she was my mentor. And and we're still, um, you know, in contact today. But that was really helpful because she could say to me, "Oh yes, that's going to happen, and here's how we handled it." And it might be something for you to consider. So it, uh, she helped give me a roadmap. And then, as a result of that, she and I had lots of conversations about, "Hey, there are lots of organizations like us in the country. We should all form a network." And so. Um, I was part of a small group of organizations that formed a collective giving network so that we could all learn from each other. And and there's just power in that and women helping women. Um, And I, when I believe in something, I'm an evangelist. And so that is when you had said, oh, you just keep talking to people. Um, I did. And I kept telling people and I didn't care if they said yes or no. I, I just knew it was a great idea and I didn't want anyone to not have the opportunity to tell me yes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And that's how we grew. That's awesome. Talk to us, and you, know, you talked about how your first three years were so important. Um, for I think that would be true of any organization, but w- what was so important about that and, and, and who gave you that advice?
1: Well, I, I will say that no one... That advice, I wouldn't say that was advice, there was just something, I just felt like we needed to do the granting cycle three times and let people see that we were not a flash in the pan, let the community see the kinds of programs we were willing to fund, that we weren't a very conservative or liberal organization, you know, hiding behind just having a bunch of members. We didn't have an agenda. We wanted to impact all parts of the community. So we were willing, um, basically any 501c3 could apply if they fit our categories. And um, (laughs) what happened was, is I think it was our fourth or fifth year. We would make one of those cheesy checks, big, huge ones. And we'd take it to the nonprofit and write the amount of money they got. And we were doing that at one of our community partners. (laughs) I think I might have put it in the book. (laughs) And she came up to me afterwards and she said, I do not know what Kool-Aid you feed your members, but you all are one of a kind and you need to keep doing this. And so that just um, reminded me that we had a formula that worked and um, that we should just keep, you know, keep refining our processes, but pretty much do what we were doing.
0: Yep. I mean, I think that that's another great lesson out there. You know, identify the model, reach out to people that can help you. Don't be afraid for that. Be willing to get feedback refine the model in the process. Really focus on the numbers too. I mean, that's, that's, I'll tell you, I mean, most businesses, and this would be true of organizations as well. You go out of business because you don't have any money right? And you mismanage things or overspend or whatnot. So, but I think the recruitment of the members is huge too. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling on there a little bit. What, what I think is really cool and part of this, talk to us about, I mean, the title is Trust Your Cape. So how did that really come about? And, and tell us all what that really means. So I kid people. So first of all,
1: my cape Um, I see myself, so I've been entrepreneurial since I was 12. And the things that I've done, I haven't known the steps to get to the end result when I started, but I was willing to trust, and I call it my cape, but all the abilities I have and the, the chutzpah, the moxie, the spunk or whatever to help me get to my destination. I envision it me jumping off a cliff, which scares a lot of people. They're like, oh, that would terrify me. But for me, I know the end is down there and my cape is going to expand to help me land gently. And whatever I need is there. I just need to access it. So that's my trust your cape um, admonishment is just, we don't always have the answers when we start, but we are smart people and if we're resourceful we can find the people who will help us and i trusted my cape in starting impact austin and having to show i i mean i don't know you're you're in a different generation stephen i think but i was at a point where i didn't really want to admit what i didn't know initially i thought i had to have all the answers and I had a vision of how it would play out, but you know there were lots of challenges along the way. And what I realized was, you know, I also have other people in my cape. And when I put a team together um, and capitalizing on each of their strengths, together we made a wonderful, uh, we made a wonderful team, and we made a wonderful organization. And. And all of that, um, all of that matters. But I didn't know anything about nonprofits when I started this, Uh, but it's not rocket science. And I think sometimes if we don't have the answers, we just have all this inertia and we never take the first step. And what was the worst that could happen? In my case, I would find 20 women instead of 100, but I could still make a difference. So there wasn't really a downside. Right. Different I'm, than
0: you, you know, a, a for-profit business. Um, well, yeah. I mean, if we just go there too, I mean, I felt a ton of risk. I mean, how do I say this? I dealt with a ton of economic uncertainty just because I didn't have, I, I mean, I did actually, my family has been very supportive and in a way I had a safety net. I think you also had a different safety net, but one of the things that, sort of I was moved by and then I was like second guessing was, um, you know, your decision making process of like how your family felt that you were prioritizing Impact Austin over them. So talk a little bit about that because I think that this is the reality for anyone that's interested in starting a business or a nonprofit organization that they can really learn from you is, what, what was that like and how do you deal with that when you're trying to start something, but you've got a spouse, you've got potentially kids, and, and they want your time as well.
1: So in one way, I was fortunate, but I but I took advantage of it. My um, timing is everything. You always hear that. My husband had announced in January that he was retiring in April. Mm-hmm. My brother died in February.
0: Mm.
1: And that's important because... It gave me the sense that, oh, he'll be home and retired. Now I can go do you know, I can leave being um, the stay at home mom and do something that would energize me and be and do good, if you will. And I uh, mistakenly thought that he would be thrilled to see me go do my thing, but it ended up being at my family's expense. And it kind of became my lover. And I was always doing something for Impact Austin. Phil ended up having to be the linchpin of the family. And while he was so very gracious um, and in the background supported what was happening, he did, on occasion, as did my children, you know, sit me down and say, "You have got to, you know, you got to get a grip here. <laughs> but I was doing what I loved. I'd never felt more alive. And um, it took a long time for me, and probably it was more in hindsight realizing that I had missed some some key moments. In my family's life, because I chose Impact Austin over them, and the the good news is we've all recovered from that, and everybody we're one happy family. But there were some um, stressful times, and I have to say, Stephen, if you think about it, you know, so my husband traveled the world for ten years, four million miles, um, making a living for our family. So he was never around. It didn't occur to me. That for me to not be around in my endeavor would be any different than him not being around, and um, so I just went ahead and did it, and um, you know it didn't take long for a few people in my family to notice, <laughs> and uh, and we laugh about it now. But yes, work life balance is really tough when you're uh, starting a business, and I ran it for eight years. at at some point it became sustainable, but I was still spending many, many, many hours. And I didn't know how to to let go of that. I'm sure some of it was ego and some of it was the joy.
0: Well, I think where most people don't get to with businesses or nonprofits that they start is that point where they recognize it is time to let go. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about that and what's that experience been like? And then obviously, I mean, that was sort of the momentum to write Trust Your Cape.
1: Yes. And, um, I, I did tell myself a lot that the day the pain of running Impact Austin was more than the joy that I got was the day it was time for me to retire because what I loved doing and what I was good at was no longer what Impact Austin needed. And um, I knew that intellectually when I did step down and it was my choice and it was my timing and it was time for us to hire someone because no one was going to do what I did as the founder for free and work all those hours. So we then became a different kind of organization. We had an employee and um, that transition was messy and uh, we had several missteps in that. And th- so it made it hard for me to quote unquote, let go of my baby. It was never my intention for Impact Austin to be Rebecca's Impact Austin. It needed to be the community's, but, but I, it was hard for me to let go of it when I didn't feel like it was, um, that it could blossom and fly. Uh, In hindsight, you know, I should have let go a little easier than I did. Um, But, you know, I had good people around me who called me to attention. And that's what you need too people who are tough on you saying, Reb, this isn't your this isn't your place anymore. And this is what we need. And this is how we're going to do it. And and I was grateful for them. Um, Here's what I love. Here's how I know. Impact Austin is thriving without me. There are members now who are like, I've heard of Rebecca Powers. I'm not sure I've ever seen her or I, I just, I know the name and it's like, yay. I'm not, you know, I'm not seen as, as an influence, um, and keeping my thumb on the, the organization, but it's hard. It's hard to let go of your baby harder to let go of that than to let each of my kids uh, go off to college.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, I'll just put it back to you. I think that there's, I mean, generally speaking, certainly in like American culture, there's like a pathway to adulthood. And there's sort of like, you, you sort of know what's like coming around the corner, probably from, I mean, for many respects, even I think before kids are born, you know, parents are putting away money in a 529 college savings or something like that. So, but I think that, you know, you bring up a good point of just the unpredictability and uncertainty, and you kind of kind of take things however you want when you create an organization.
1: You, you, you know, just like your kids, you got to let them fall down and scrape their knees because mm-hmm. guess what? They get back up. Yeah. And and one of the things that I, I and I do believe about Impact Austin, I'm a devotee of um, Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great. And yes. he talks about a great organization is one where when they falter and they fail, they come back even stronger once they recover. And that's really what Impact Austin has done. So I take a lot of um, comfort in that, that we, um, you know, we had a great foundation. And um, letting go is a is a good thing. And can I tell you, I have a lot more time on my hands. But when you were talking about writing the book, it, so just to um, to take to and to close that loop um, over the years, people had said to me, you need to tell this story. You you need to, to capture this in words. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But it got to a point where um, the last five years of my life, I write an annual plan and top five things I want to accomplish in a year and write a book was number one on the list for five years. And so to be able to check that off this year was just a huge, um, you know, I did it and, and I told it in my voice with, um, it's not always pretty, you know, the, the failures I had and the, you know, I didn't know how to be a leader. Uh, I'm still learning how to be a leader, but all of that, um, I think people can go, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay. She's human. Like I am, you know, this is just, this is just her story. I have one too.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the power of um, why I really liked your book. And I encourage people to get a copy. You can find it on Amazon, Rebecca Powers, Trust Your Cape, How Women Find Their Power in Giving Back. But the power of the book to me is how relatable it is for anyone. And for all these big companies or organizations, they all started somewhere, right? Right. I mean, you can look up, obviously, and, and read stories about uh, Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak or um, Jeff Bezos. You know, it's like it all started somewhere small. It all started with an idea, but there was just some gumption to, to move forward and take it one step at a time.
1: And, and so, Stephen, let me just share with you that um, the greatest joy out of starting Impact Austin is that it changed who I was and it changed my family. And like I said, I'm an evangelist when I believe in something. And people found out about us. We were one of the first organizations to get 500 women to do this all in one year and give five $100,000 grants. That's significant. And so different women across the country would hear about us and they would call and say, oh, my gosh, you know, how did you do this? It's, And it's like, you know, you just put one step, one foot in front of the other and you just, you know, you you have a plan, but you can do it. And what I have spent my time doing when since I retired from Impact Austin is helping women, inspiring women across the country to uh, take that first step and believe in themselves and my greatest joy comes from women I've met across the country that I've inspired to, to do this in their cities.
0: That's awesome. And it makes well, us all better. I want to actually build on or comment on what you said. And this was a, this was something actually a quote that I heard from Tony Robbins and I always loved it. He talked about goals because you were talking about the, the journey and who you've become. And his, one of his quotes about goals is, you know, setting goals and achieving the goal is not about getting the goal. It's about who you have to become as a person to achieve that goal. And that was something that's always related to me. Anytime that we've had, and we've had a lot of it, you know, adversity and challenges over the years with charity charge, I've always just sort of had this perspective of, well, isn't this just a cool experience that I'm now smarter about for the future, just literally for charity charge, but, more importantly, better about, because I can share and probably help someone avoid this sort of pitfall or issue. And I really think that that's great. I also want to throw out, I mean, something else I'm pulling up. I have this old quote, it was in the book, um, The Secret. And um, I'm just going to sum it up because I can't find the exact quote right now. But basically the idea is like what you're saying about taking your first step and it gives the analogy of if you, if you wanted to, you know, you were in California and you wanted to drive your car across the country and get to New York, but one of the, the condition was that you could only drive at night. How would you get there? Well, you would drive at night and you'd have your headlights on and you could probably only see a hundred feet or so in front of you on the road, but. If you just trusted that when you drove those 100 feet you'd see the next 100 feet and the next 100 feet and the next 100 feet and that's a lot of how life unfolds before us if we just trust that we're going to take the first step and it's going to expose the next step and the next then it can all work out but i think it's really awesome so for everyone trust your cape check it out on amazon rebecca, rebecca powers how women find their power in giving back. What else do you want to share with us? What else did we miss?
1: Um, I don't know. It just you talking about the the headlights, and you know, it is just get up and take the first step, and you do not have to have all the answers. That's what's that's what stops women, not men as often as women, um, but we we seem to need all the answers before we're comfortable moving forward and. I challenge us not to, to do that,
0: to trust our capes. That's awesome. Well, you're a big inspiration to me and to us all. So I'm so just appreciative that you came on for this episode of the charity charge show and really happy to have you as a friend appreciate all of your support and advice and help. Thanks. Awesome. All right. Well, for everyone listening um, again, thank you so much for supporting and listening to the charity charge show Again, this episode is with Rebecca Powers, author and founder of Impact Austin, of Trust Your Cape, How Women Find Their Power in Giving Back. Go plug her her name or Trust Your Cape into Amazon, pop up and order a book. Thanks.